Welcome into the Sports Page Podcast. Guys, I'm your host, Paige Demakos, and I'm here with somebody who is awesome, not only because he played football, but more, mostly because of the stuff that he's done post-playing football, and that is Chris Borland. Chris, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I'm excited to talk to you about everything that you're doing, and uh, just first and foremost, how are you doing today? Well, hi, Paige. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, beautiful day here in Southern California. Uh and I'm on with uh, with you talking about a pretty cool event. So uh, really excited. Yes, I'm I'm very excited. So let's let's do the quick backstory. Let's talk about your playing career. Obviously, playing in Wisconsin, getting drafted in the San Francisco 49ers, and and kind of how that's led you to the point where you are now. So if you can just walk walk me through a little bit of the of the backstory, and just so the listeners know everything about where how you got to where you are now. Absolutely. I, I played uh, linebacker at Wisconsin, um, was an All-American and Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, um, was drafted by the 49ers in the third round of the 2014 draft, um, went on to lead the 49ers in tackles as a rookie. Um, all the while, I was kind of looking into the kind of the darker side of football. Um, I'd been concussed uh, prior to the season and, uh, you know, had a lot of wear on the tires through high school and college playing uh, both ways in high school and then being a, a four-year starter in college. Um, so really looked into a lot of the ramifications of a long career in the NFL and um, ultimately decided to walk away. Um, didn't intend for it to be a, a big story or anything, but it, it kind of became that. And uh, since then, it's kind of led me to a lot of things that I've done for the past few years advocacy and mental health and uh, most recently with meditation. I can imagine that walking away from not only the the sport that you loved, but the money and the fame and the, everything that comes, I mean, that all, I cover sports and I know how people feel about athletes and you played for one of the, one of the most storied franchises in football, the San Francisco 49ers. So I can imagine that was a very tough decision for you. It was. Um, I think the, the primary thing that was difficult was was just ceasing to do something that I was so accustomed to and that I love so deeply yeah. um so that that for me was really difficult um honestly the the adulation players get was kind of off-putting to me I prefer to be <laughs> behind the scenes and low-key but um I wouldn't I won't, won't say the same about the money it's hard to turn down uh millions of dollars but um there's more to live for uh and I'm involved in a lot of really great things so um, I've since fully transitioned from the game. Um, there was a lot of fallout for, for months and even in, in different ways for years. Um, but I feel like I've landed in a great place where, where I've got a great relationship with my friends who still play. Um, got a great way to give back through things like imp- after the impact mm-hmm. um, fund and, and gridiron greats and concussion legacy foundation. So um for me, I, I, I want, I've always wanted to frame my advocacy in a positive light. Um, yep. It's really it's really easy to be against something, but um, rather than criticize football um, constantly, it's nice to be able to celebrate former players. For sure. And I, you're talking to somebody who loves the game, and I know that you love football. And that's that's why I think it's important to come from that standpoint. And it's not an attack. It's more, uh, I would say, I always like to tell the casual fan just to get to know a little bit more about the backside, not just the guys that, the play on Sunday, but everything else that, especially for the former players with working with Gridiron Greats and After the Impact. So let's talk about After the Impact and specifically the event that we're 
that we're both going to be that I'm going to be racing in that you're going to be racing in. And I didn't and I didn't know you were racing. I am. I am going to start training. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to be racing. I'm I'm really excited. I've done the Pat Tillman run before. It's a huge deal here in Arizona. Obviously, Pat Tillman stands for so many great things, and it's a it's a perfect race. So tell me about not only why you want to do this, but then also the fact that your brothers are also going to be involved. Yeah, I'm, I'm so thrilled uh, to get to do this with my brothers. Um, Pat Tillman's a personal hero of mine. Um, you know, I, I was familiar with his story, of course, and then read John Krakauer's great book, Where Men Win Glory. And uh, to me, he, like you said, he's um, he represents a lot. And so um, there's perfect synergy with After the Impact Fund, which is a nonprofit um, that pairs NFL players, um, former NFL players with military veterans. They've found that there's um, a unique healing that takes place when those two groups get together. Um, and there's no better uh, person to symbolize that than Pat Tillman. Of yes. course, he, he, he was involved in both. And um, I played in the NFL. I have never served in the military, but uh, two of my older brothers, uh, my oldest brother, Joe, and my middle brother, John, are, are both active duty military. Um, Joe's currently in Baghdad, um, and John teaches at West Point. Um, so I've done a lot of work with Gridiron Greats, and I reached out to their executive director, Shannon Jordan, who's involved in After the Impact Fund, um, and mentioned uh, we could do something together for Pat's run. Um, and it's worked out great. Joe gets back in a, in a, in a couple weeks, um, and then John, uh, we're all going to fly out to Arizona and try to raise some money for a really, really great cause in After the Impact Fund, um, and in a small way celebrate uh, what Pat Tillman means. and really just to be a part of it because he's inspired so many. Um, and there's a lot of uh, veterans and a lot of former NFL players in need. So raising awareness for that as well. It's, a, it's an incredible event. I can't, I can't speak to it enough. It's, it's one of those things that I grew up in Chicago and moved out here to Arizona. And I knew of Pat Tillman, but I didn't really realize the impact that he had on his community, specifically here in Arizona, playing at Arizona State University, playing with the Arizona Cardinals and just especially out here, strong military bonds that the state of Arizona has. It's really, it's really truly amazing to watch what that run means to his whole family and to this community. So I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of that. But I want to ask you specifically back to something you said. I, I think it's incredible what they're seeing between pairing military veterans and NFL athletes together and the success that that is having. Why do you specifically think those two communities working together as having so much success? Well, I can tell you, um, we did a study with former NFL players at the Center for Healthy Minds in Madison. Uh, last year, it was a eight-week study in meditation, um, and there's such power in the group. Um, I think a lot of times, um, the simple fact that people feel alone um, and isolated, I mean, we, we live in a culture where people walk around staring at their phones and um, <laughs> liking pictures of people's butts on Instagram. That's like the... <laughs> Um, that's like the extent of the culture that these men have fought for. Um, Sebastian Younger in his book Tribe, I think, touches on that really poignantly. There's there's not a really a shared community around military service. Um, so the power of the group, and then more specifically, um, I think, you know, in our study, we saw it was great to get former players together because they felt isolated otherwise. Um, I think there's even more power in getting uh, a peer group that's different but has mutual respect. There's a tendency, um, you know, to underscore, underplay the injuries or pain you have if you're amongst former players. And I understand through my brothers that um, former veterans don't like to bemoan the struggles they have. 
I think when you're together with someone, um, another group where you have mutual respect and you have unique challenges that are similar, um, that you're willing to share a little bit more um, and be vulnerable. Um, I think grouping the the military veterans with with former players uh, is a chance for uh, men that are in uh, in groups that often it's uh, it's hard to show weakness. Uh, they yes. can find they can finally be vulnerable um, and heal together. And so it's 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 great that uh, after the impact fund has been forward thinking and, and paired these groups together because they're seeing tremendous benefits. Yeah, and it seems now more than ever, I think of two days ago, a couple of days ago, early on this week in March, Kevin Love, a NBA player, releases an article about mental health. And it seems like we're kind of getting to that point where we're feeling more comfortable because obviously I'm a female, but as a male, you can speak on the fact that it, you're talking about hyper-masculine groups. Like the, uh, already in just being a man, people have tough times talking about their feelings and if they're having issues, especially with mental health. So that's why I think it's so important that these two groups of people that people, especially men, look up to so much speak about issues and injuries that they're having and, and use groups like After the Impact. Oh, it was great to see Kevin Love take a leadership role in that. Um, you know, I think 25 years ago, if, if you would have set a marquee, you know, multi-year NBA all-star, uh, wrote an expose about uh, his mental health struggles, people would be shocked. Um, yeah. So I think it's a, a testament to the progress we've made. Um, you know, a quarter of our population at some point in their life will have a mental health diagnosis. 50% of our population will have a mental health episode. Um, you know, the nuclear family is over four or five people. So it, it touches everybody's life in America. Mm -hmm. um, so it, just, it simply doesn't make sense that it's not openly talked about. Um, that said, I do admire the bravery of people um, with a lot to lose. And, and, you know, I've faced a lot of criticism just for quitting football. Um, if you have a Twitter account with a blue check mark, um, people just like to hate you. And, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> yeah. and so it's especially brave for Kevin. I know DeMar DeRozan said the same. And um, Brandon Marshall, he's an NFL player who's been yep. very outspoken about his mental health. So it's great to see athletes in a hyper-masculine culture uh, sharing their struggles. So when I when I share this podcast today, I'm going to make sure that there I can share the CrowdRise page that people can get involved, they can donate, they can help be a part of what you and your brother and and after the impact are all going to be doing in in April at the Pat Tillman Run. But say I just want you to speak to the listeners. How can they? Why should they be involved? Why do these communities need it more than ever? Because I think it's in a time where we words are one thing, but actions are another. And I think we talk a lot about how much we respect the military and then they come back and there isn't necessarily what needs to be there for these guys. And the same thing with former NFL players. So I just want you to speak on maybe somebody who's listening to this podcast and thinking like, you know, why should I specifically donate to, to after the impact? What, what makes them so special? Well, I think first is a clarification. A lot people are under the impression that former NFL players <clears throat> have a lot of money, yeah. and uh, men who played before free agency um, and men who played in the in the sixties and seventies um, often had off season jobs, um, and they're not uh, covered by insurance policies, and they may not qualify for uh, certain health benefits. So these are men that desperately need the money, and they're, they're the men that built a game that. Uh, millions of Americans love. Um, so that's one that's one thing people need to know. And then secondly, with our military veterans, I think that one is more obvious. Um, 
you know, there's a flyover and a giant flag draped on the field uh, of every major sporting event in America. Um, military veterans get to cut the line at airports, but um, I think we can do more uh, to provide substantive help. I know 36% of the injuries returning from the Iraq war uh, were PTSD, and um, it's an epidemic, uh, and we're in the midst of the longest-running war in American history, so um, this is a chance to uh, put your money where your mouth is. If, if, you, wa- if you wave the flag and and cheer and say you support the veterans. Um, this is a, a chance to do it substantively. Yeah, that's, uh, I couldn't have said it better myself. I want to make sure that everybody, I will, I will be sharing the crowd rise page. This will be up on after the impact. So everyone will be able to donate and be a part of this, this amazing event. If you're not going to be there, if you are in the state of Arizona or you're close, join us at the race. There's going to be a lot of people there. It's going to be really fun. It'll be beautiful weather. I'm sure like it is pretty much here all (laughs) the time in Scottsdale and in in Phoenix, Arizona. So I want everyone to feel like they can be involved, but I know there's a lot of people that can't make the trip out. So it would be, it's going to be great. I know I'm going to share it on my Twitter. I I want people to be able to to find it and and make it really easy for everybody. So Chris, how can everybody follow you on Twitter? Cause I know you're going to be tweeting out about this experience and and I'm I'm looking forward to meeting you and your your brothers when you guys are out here. Well, thanks so much, Paige. You can follow me at Chris Borland underscore. Uh, There's another guy named Chris Borland who's been getting a lot of hate, (laughs) hate on Twitter for a long time. So make sure you, you include the underscore afterwards. Um, yeah, we're looking forward to sharing and what will be a great run. Thanks so much for uh, for everything you've done. This is going to be a, a great time. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And as always, you, everybody, you can follow me. I'm like Chris as well. There's another The Sports page on Twitter. So you have to follow at the underscore sports page with an I. And uh, make sure you send all your angry sports takes <laughs> to me and not to the not to the other poor page who, who doesn't have anything to do with uh, being on TV and, and talking about sports. So let's let's keep all the hatred towards me. I can handle it. There we go. We, 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 <laughs> we've got it. All right, Chris. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much, Pitch. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.